1: Now, uh, one of my favourite moments of the week, it's Mickey Mac's Music Memories and broadcaster Michael Mcdamara joins us in the studio. You're welcome, Michael. How are you this morning? Thank you very much, and Joe, very good form. Yeah, now, you're looking today at a, a juncture, aren't you, in, in Limerick music and mm. in Limerick social activity, and, and that was the transition to the nightclub. The nightclubs, yeah. We're talking sort of
2: 1974 to 1984. The nightclub phenomena. Um, As the show bands in the ballrooms, uh, iconic places like the Jetland, Drumkeen, we pass it on the train, um, they began to wane because uh, there were dry halls. Now, you had the great stars at the time, the Joe Dolan's, the Brendan Boyers, but at the end of the day, you went into Drumkeen and you smelt oxtail soup and at half-time, when you danced with a young lady, you might say, "Will you have a mineral, you know? So, of course, uh, the generation, I hope there's plenty of them listening this morning, who were going out between 1975 and 1985, they wanted more than that. And uh, the early nightclubs were based in hotels, and it was a very clever thing that the hotel managers did. They found a loophole in the licensing law, which means that you could get an extension if you served a meal. So, at this stage, you must remember, Ireland was like this. The pubs closed at 10 o'clock sharp on a Sunday night, 11 o'clock Monday to Friday. So, where did the young people go? I mean, they wanted to go out and give it a lash. So, um, the hotels decided to go to the courts and look for extensions to run these late-night clubs And one of the first ones that I was involved in was a club called Fernando's at the Royal George Hotel. And it was probably one of the most successful, one of the first ever. And it ran from 1976 up to about 1989. And it was, um, at a time, Bobby Kennedy, the great Bobby Kennedy, who now passed on, and John Lightley was was the manager. And it was a difficult time for hotels in Limerick. And they they needed to make money. So this, this idea of running a nightclub, really was wonderful and Brendan Dunn, the great Brendan Dunne over the two mile in he, he had a fantastic venue called Poldarks where love stories began and ended um, some people would say you, you, you sowed your wild oats in in, in Poldark's or Fernandos and you went to Mass on a Sunday to pray for a crop failure, if you know what I
1: mean. They were great. Yeah. They were wonderful places. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, was that effectively the end of the show bands?
2: Well, you see, they began, they realised that if they were to continue, they'd have to play in venues that could serve late. And it was terribly unfair. And I'm amazed one thing, I said this the last time I was in, you know, Albert Reynolds and his brother Jim from Longford, they owned all the, the big... And, and big ballrooms. They were great venues of all men, you know. And how they didn't get the legislation to allow them to have a laid bar. I, I to this day I still don't understand. Like you had a great venue, in Newcastle West, the Olympic Newcastle West, a big venue down in Mallow. And like they were iconic places. Like Drumkeen on Saint Stephen's Night would have three thousand people hanging off their rafters there, a dry hall, uh, dancing to Sean O'Dowd or. Tommy Drennan or The Freshman or whatever. So coming back to the, 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 the nightclubs, um, as the dry halls finished, Limerick then created this, this, this idea of, of nightclubs in the hotel. So you had one in the parkway, Michael Parks had one called Marbella's, I remember doing that on a Friday night and Michael was very conscious that a good meal would be served because this is what the judge said, yes, I'll give you an extension and we stopped the music and people would queue up for a lovely bacon and cabbage and then you were allowed drink until one o'clock. So, I mean, the punters were coming in, they loved that. Then you had Poldricks, the two mile inn, which is a legendary midweek venue. Um, Fernando's, I mean, would have done a thousand people at the weekend. It was just jammers and it was a fabulous venue, really, really well run. Then you had a place called Ruby's and I'm sure... Some of the listeners will remember Ruby's. This was a place for the over-35s, <laughs> and it was seven days a week. And a lot of the reps that came to town, they'd go into Ruby's for a bit of fun. Uh, and it was very much a sort of a 70s, 70s thing. Club Marcia at the Green Hills, close encounters. There was a very posh nightclub at the Limerick Inn called the Centre Court. Termites developed. That was a kind of a cool, trendy place where they were playing underground music. Uh, the Newtown Perry, where bars came. To that, that, was, that was also a, a nightclub. In Dublin at the same time, you had Chivago's um, uh, in the Bagot Street and you had the television club at Harker Street. So these were all iconic places where thousands of people went out to. And you know what they do in Copperface Jack's today? It's almost what we did those days in Fernando's. You played everything and you got people enjoying themselves.
1: How did live musicians feel about all of this?
2: Well, this goes... When we started in, in the Royal George Hotel at Fernando's, um, I got a phone call from a lovely man called Tom Glynn. He was a dad of Jacqueline, who had a great music store in Limerick, and he said, Mr McNamara, I'll have to talk to you about this. This can't continue because all the local bands are losing gigs because of, of, of you bringing your discotheque. This thing in t- How can you expect people to dance to records? I mean, that's a disgrace. So I said, Mr Glynn, very respectful to him, and he was a lovely man. I said, Mr Glynn, look... Can I join the the Federation of Musicians? And he said, "Will you go away, man? You couldn't, you can't sing a note, which is true." Um, and he was really you 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 are taking advantage of our members, expecting people to dance to our records. So anyway, it actually got quite seriously because the Irish Federation of Musicians were aff- affiliated to what would be Sip to today, and they decided to picket some of the hotels. So I had a situation where where they threatened to picket if we didn't employ musicians. So we had to meet them halfway, and we had to allow the musicians to go on for an hour. Sometimes the first hour of the night while the crowd was coming in and some of the crowd were saying, hang on a second, are we going to a disco or to a live show? So after a while it was resolved but I think the the, the guys realised... That Isn't robot. that very
1: interesting, Michael, because a lot yeah. of the things that ponters would have seen going in and out, they wouldn't have known the background to that, why that happened that way. Yeah, because, I mean, there were so many guys who made a living, you know, I mean, I'm going back to the era now of
2: Bud Clancy, who had a huge orchestra, um, Kevin McMahon and his band called The Continentals, but then you had all these wonderful bands, great musicians, and they were trying to make a living, and all of a sudden, uh, Mickey McAdams was a, a bundle of black vinyl, and they're... And there's a thousand people want to hear him. You know. Talk to me about the music and fashion of this era. Yeah. Okay. The, the music. I mean, we're talking about some of the greatest disco. Disco would have really started. The first disco record was "Rock Me Gently" by Andy Kim, 1974. So we're into 1975 when 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 Robert Stigwood is working on Saturday Night Fever. You have the music things like "Dance Around Your Handbag" to Gloria Gaynor and "I Will Survive," or you have Barry White. The wonderful deep voice of Barry White, the Hughes Corporation, rock the boat. You got the, you got the, you got them down on the floor with the lovely white jeans, and they were uh, doing rock the boat. And imagine six or seven hundred people doing rock the boat. We had that, and it was just unbelievable to watch. And the the day glow lighting, and, and 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 the atmosphere was. And in those days, DJs were personalities. We we spoke. Now, if you go in, when I go into a club today, the DJ doesn't talk anymore. I mean, he's a you, you know, and years ago, if you didn't talk, they said, Jason, he not a great DJ at all, he's not talking. The fashion, well, if you look at the movie Saturday Night Fever or Grease, and look at John Travolta or Olivia newton john that was the style. Um, jeans were definitely not allowed. No, no jeans, you couldn't wear jeans. Big signs up, no jeans allowed. And even, I remember when, one lady coming in with a very posh pair of designer jeans one night, and being told, no, sorry, you're not going to get in. Um, platform boots were in. And those stylish jumpsuits the girls wore in the in the seventies, I mean, and they were they were quite tailored looking. They were very popular, and the Charlie's Angel hairstyles. Remember Charlie's Angel? Well, they all had these wonderful Charlie's Angels hairstyles. So, I mean, they they certainly they, they the girls looked extremely well. They weren't they didn't dress the way I, a lot of them. I see a lot of them going out on Saturday night now with very very short dresses. Um, you know, they, they they were very cool though. But they knew how to dance and they loved dancing to disco music. So what little piece are we going to hear yeah, now? I'm go- I've, I, I want to give an example of what was sort of a great floor filler back in those days. And it's a beautiful song by a lady called Candy Stetton who, who indeed in recent years had, had a, a club anthem which you got the love. This is a song called Young Hearts Run Free for all those who were young, free and single ready to mingle back in the 70s.
1: We still play that here on Limerick's Live 95 FM to uh, this day, young (laughs) hearts. I often hear it, and
2: it's just a beautiful (laughs) track. Uh, Other tracks from that era would be Hot Stuff from the late Donna Summer. She was huge, iconic disco lady, diva. Knock on wood, Amy Stewart. Then there was a magnificent group called Odyssey, and they had a track called Native New Yorker. And um, the OJs, the Three Degrees, Take Good Care of Yourself, When Will I See You Again and and then early Diana Ross Disco, because she became the diva uh, of disco. So the music was really, really good, and people knew how to dance. And if you ever look at some of those uh, Northern Soul movies about the Northern Soul dance thing, uh, people really took it seriously. And it, it, it was an event to go out to, a,
1: to, to one of these clubs. Yeah. Now, tell me about the day that the local district justice got involved in terms of food. Well, you see, the problem here became that
2: everybody was going then not alone for the one extension, but all the hotels were going for five nights a week. And I can't blame all the publicans getting really nervous. Hang on a second, you can go and drink till one o'clock in the Cruises Hotel and you have to I have to send you home at, at 11. So anyway, um, the justice was sitting in Limerick Court and he said, from his desk, he said, as one of the hotels was going for uh, to renew their licences, he said, I'll have to have a look at the meal being served in the hotel. And let's say it was the Royal George Hotel at the time. I, I, I think it might have been the Royal George Hotel. So, Picora, anyway, straight away, he sent word up, bring down the meal that's been served at these nightclubs. And, of course, one of the most magnificent meal was prepared. <laughs> Two veg, beautiful gravy, bacon and cabbage, served with a, a little bit of jelly and cream. And uh, he said, that's fine. If that's been deserved, that's that's quite okay. I think Joe you have to remember too that if you go back to why the, the ballrooms were so successful, the church would have controlled a lot of the ballrooms around the and they didn't want people drinking, you know. And I can't say that people really took advantage of the late night drinking in those days. They didn't. They just went out at, at one or two pints. Yeah. What about the slow set? And where did it go? Well, that's one of the biggest questions I'm always asking: is what happened to the slow set? Because it was so important. You had a slow set uh, at at uh, twenty past one. Uh, which went on until 25 to 2. And then you had one before, before, before home. I always remember a fellow who's come in uh, from from around Kilmallock and he'd come in already and he'd arrive, he'd arrive in Fernando's at about 10 past 12 and he'd come up and he'd give me a wink and he'd say, I'll be giving you the f- fiver now to put on um, a slow set. But when I tell you, you see, obviously watching a young lady, I, I think the, the, um, the slow sets were the way that people people hadn't the confidence they have today. And if you wanted to, to meet somebody, if a girl wanted to meet a guy or vice versa, it was a slow set. And then the chemistry would happen at the slow set. You either knew whether you were in business and going to score <laughs> or else. Uh, with. And it was very formal. We're going to slow it down. Three songs, that's all for now. Your next dance, please. And if you wanted to stay on, you stayed on. And if you didn't, but it was a, a very simple way of people, of people actually meeting together. Tell me about the poem. Yeah, there's a, if you think of some of the great songs we played in slow sets, we played You've Lost That Loving Feeling by the Righteous Brothers. You would have played stuff, stuff like In the Ghetto by um, Elvis Presley. But I used to play, well, probably the biggest floor filler is a track by the Moody Blues called Nights in White Satin. And being a DJ up, up on the DJ box, uh, one night I decided that I'd throw in a bit of a poem and... Um, I'm going to play Nights in White Satin and I'll try and remember as much of the poem as I can. This has certainly been back memories to to people who were dancing in, in the 70s and in the 80s and it's the Booty Blues. Nights in white satin Never reaching the
0: end I've written Never meaning to send Beauty I'd always missed With these eyes before Just what the truth is I can't say anymore Because I love you they cannot defend Just what you
2: The carted orb that rules the night Removes the colours from our sight Red is grey and yellow-white But we decide which is right And which is an illusion Impassioned lovers wrestle as one Lonely man cries for love and has none New mother picks up and suckers her son Senior citizens wish they were young old-hearted orb that rules the night, removes the colours from our sight. Red is grey and yellow-white, but we decide which is right, and which, and which is an illusion.
1: Oh, Nights in White Satin, the moody blues and that yeah. live poem from you in the middle of it. <laughs> if then, you
2: didn't you know. strike oil, um, dancing to that, I mean, you were going to. And you can just imagine the the ultraviolet lights, and in those days, ultraviolet lights, and they showed up your dandruff, you know. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and the couple of blue and, I mean, it was a very cool scene again. it was, it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful soundtrack to Falling in Love.
1: What are you going to look at for us in the next episode?
2: Yeah, I'm going to move on to, to, to 85 to 95, where dance began to change. Um, people changed then where, where it all became um, non-stop dance. They wanted mixing. Um, the whole thing of what happened in Manchester at the Hacienda in the late 80s and cream in Liverpool, the Ministry of Sound, all that sort of thing. And I was very much part of that in 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 the in the end of my, my career on, on, on 2FM because I sort of pioneered that and enjoyed even going to Ibiza. But how it how it all happened then and how Limerick, um, you know, and Doc's nightclub, a wonderful nightclub, uh, and how the country embraced this new sort of scene. And where are we now with 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 it? And I asked the question again, I have to mention coppers. I mean, coppers is still an event. And I often wonder if um club owners went back to creating the events that we would have created in those years gone by, that they probably would be more successful. I mean, you go into Coppers and you'll hear the Republic of Ireland song, Ole 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 every night, and that that is would be terribly uncool in a normal
1: nightclub elsewhere, you know. Absolutely, right, We look forward to that, really enjoying this uh, special series, and Michael McNamara, thank you very much, with this week's Mickey Max Music Memories.